begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to have you with us today, another evening, another weeknight, Wednesday night, reflecting into the richness of our faith. It is Wednesday night, so it is a night devoted to the thought of Pope Francis. And as, as we do here on Wednesday night, I have uh, Bob Cross joining me. Bob, it is good to have you with me again today. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you. So, Bob, it's been a pretty quiet week on the Pope Francis front. If you, I, you know, I was looking through these past uh, seven days, his articles, and where he's been in the news, and a pretty quiet week as far as maybe the reasons why we might typically be talking about Pope Francis. Um, certainly, he always has something to say, uh, as as we've noted here in the in the past. He is a um, a tweeter. I think I saw ten over ten million people follow Pope Francis. It's up to ten million. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, I wow. think so. Yeah. Um, anyhow, he always has something to say, and he's he's tweeting every day, uh, and he always has these nice sound bites. But beyond that, you know, he it's been a pretty quiet week. It it has been a pretty quiet week. Now, he did have something to say today that just kind of caught my eye. He has started this uh, Wednesday series on. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, he uh, opened up with a reflection on the spiritual gift of wisdom. He said this about the gift of wisdom, the Holy Spirit also makes the Christian wise. This is, however, not in the sense that he or she has an answer for everything or knows everything, but in the sense that he or she knows of God, how God acts. They know when something is of God and when it is not. They know this, they have this wisdom that God gives our heart, because they have a taste of God. The heart of the wise man has this taste of God. I thought, huh, that's interesting. I never really heard it phrased that way, Bob. This taste of God. You know, we, in our conversations, might say, boy, that left a bad taste in my mouth. Well, what are we really saying when we say that? You know, well, it's, <laughs> for whatever was said, it, it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, what Pope Francis is saying here is, the wise man has this taste of God, can identify God, can uh, see God in the unexpected place. Um, so, as he says, it's not a matter of knowing uh, something or having the answer to every question. It's really, where is God in this moment? Sometimes the wise man sees that even if we have the right question, or rather the right answer to a question, maybe it's not the right time to answer. The wise man sees beyond the present moment, while at the same time being present to the person that's speaking to you. Really, the wise man is very prudential. There's an acute awareness into each and every moment. And there is because there's this taste 
in your mouth. You know, you can identify it for what it is. And, and I love that. You know, Pope Francis says, uh, we need to know the smell of the sheep. Very raw, concrete. Do we know the smell of our sheep? Well, the, the, the shepherd does, right? At least the shepherd should. And he's saying to all of us, so should we. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting when you think about it, when you, you know, the, the, especially the sense of, you know, our sense of taste. It's a very, very human, very base sense, you know, of all the five that we, that we you know, are uh, blessed with. But, you know, you think about appetite and, 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 and even feasts or dinner and celebrations and tasting things is a very, very human um, sense. And, you know, if you have that very human, you know, sense actually covered as far as the taste of God, well, then you've gone a long way in terms of overcoming your humanness to some extent. And I think that's what the Holy Father is doing there, is taking that one sense, taste, and asking us to actually go even beyond what we see or we hear or we smell even, to go to that sense of, uh, of appetite. Of yeah, and if, if you've tasted God, yeah. then you've tasted truth, you've tasted joy, you've, tri- you've tasted the pleasures that God wishes to pour out into your heart and into your mouth, if you will. So, what, what does he want us to see? Well, my uh, three-year-old son, he's, he just turned three, he was all about having uh, chocolate cake and Oreos, cookies, and cream ice cream. Why? Nice. Why, why did he want chocolate cake? Why did he want Oreo, cookie, and cream ice cream? Because he tasted it and he liked it and he wants to now have it all the time <laughs> too much. <laughs> But this is what our Holy Father is talking about. Once you taste God, once you taste God, oh, you want it all the time. And the wise man can identify the pleasure. And maybe, Bob, what one might say isn't something from God. Maybe it's a trial. Maybe it's suffering. But what does the whole Christian vocation rest upon? The great paradox that where there's death, there's life. There on the cross, the wise man can see the life in death. The wise man can see the enjoyment in a place where you might not typically find it. Uh, And this is, again, what Pope Francis is talking about. Yeah, I mean, chocolate, ice cream, those are obvious. (laughs) But Pope Francis is playing around with his analogy a little bit to kind of provoke within us a sense of, hmm, he's saying something here that's different. What does he mean by it? And so, what he means by it is, God works in the unexpected. As we've said before, expect the unexpected. And so, with that, Bob, I want to turn to this document, The Joy of the Gospel, where we are to pick up in paragraph 27 with its subheading, In Ecclesial Renewal Which Cannot Be Deferred. So, what is he talking about? how the local parish needs to be reinvigorated for the sake of evangelization and catechesis. So, what I want to do is read this opening paragraph, then drop down to a few other key points, and then we'll reflect upon it. Again, this is uh, paragraph 27 from his document, The Joy of the Gospel. He says this, I dream of a missionary option 
That is a missionary impulse capable of transforming everything so that the church's customs, ways of doing things, times, schedules, language, and structures can be suitably channeled for the evangelization of today's world rather than for her self-preservation. Are we looking inward or outward, right? The renewal of structures demanded by pastoral conversion can only be understood in this light as part of an effort to make them more mission-oriented, to make ordinary pastoral activity on every level more inclusive and open, to inspire in pastoral workers a constant desire to go forth and in this way to elicit a positive response from all those whom Jesus summons to friendship with himself. Paragraph 28, he makes the point, the parish is not an outdated institution. He says that the parish is called to renew itself all the time. Paragraph 29, he says the parish is about raising up evangelizers, dropping down to 30. He says, I encourage each particular parish to undertake, very important words here, Bob, a resolute process of discernment, purification, and reform. All of this should seek to abandon the complacent attitude that says, but we've always done it this way. (laughs) We have always done it this way. So, once again, here we are, Bob, talking about this call of the parish to be renewed internally so that externally it is communicating the gospel message of Jesus Christ and, as Pope Francis said so beautifully, summoning man into personal relationship with Jesus Christ, friendship with Jesus Christ. In effect, as John Paul II would put it, we are to see this as an intermediate situation, but one that needs to be addressed because it is where we all gather under the name of Jesus Christ, our local parish. I want to, as we start to talk about this, Bob, bring our attention to a couple of books that have been uh, written recently because they really get to the heart of what Pope Francis is talking about. The first was penned towards the beginning of last year, 2013. The book is titled, Bob, Rebuilt, Awakening the Faithful, Reaching the Lost, and Making Church Matter. This book is a story of essentially stopping everything and changing focus. Exactly what Pope Francis was just talking about. So, it was the newly appointed Father Michael White and his lay associate Tom Corcoran who, in looking around them, saw that their parish was simply, Bob, not life-giving. And so, what did they do? They started to ask new questions. And what do new questions lead to, Bob? (laughs) As I like to say, new beginnings. They're asking themselves that first question, how can we make church matter to Catholics? And they realized their answer was at the heart of the gospel. Pope Francis loves to use the phrase, culture of encounter. In many ways, when we talk about evangelization and new evangelization, we can give it many definitions, Bob, but it must always start with that one word, encounter, or we can say three words, culture of encounter. And so this is where they went. We need to reinvigorate 
those who are already here and essentially do so by establishing relationships with them. And ultimately, what they would do is put that word encounter in the middle of the table and go from there. So now they put an emphasis on worship, the mass, music, their ministries, maybe changing some personnel, uh, maybe uh, folks who are more dynamic in what they were doing that would draw people in. Whatever they did, they put relationship, encounter, friendship in the middle of the table because why? This is what Jesus did. And so when they began to look at this and say, okay, what can we do different? And they made changes to their music because it was going to enhance worship. They, uh, the, the pastor made a, you know, he made a vow to make his homilies more relevant. <laughs> but they were, they were paying close attention to all the other little details that matter in relationships. And so they, they highlighted that. And in doing so, the relationships began to grow stronger. And then they started talking about it to their friends. And this is how the Holy Spirit works, Bob. You know, this is how the Holy Spirit works. Suddenly, over a period of time, their parish grew three times the size that it was before they started making all of the changes. Those are things that are relevant. So, what were some of these practical things? You know, what, what their bulletin was saying, what their bulletin looked like, putting more uh, emphasis on social media and how through social media they were going to reach out to the parishioners, more activities, uh, more family-oriented activities, uh, something simple as a hospitality committee that's more than donuts and coffee, but a committee that is busy about reaching out to all of the families in the parish every week. You know, if someone new came to the parish, they would offer them bouquets, and inside that spiritual bouquet, they would ask about, you know, what do you do? What's your gift? What's your charism? We would love to have it on board. The biggest thing, the thing that they were highlighting out from this culture of encounter was that, you know what? In our relationships that we build, we need to be invitational. A good hospitality committee, a good liturgy committee, a good parish council, a good finance committee. They're not so overemphasizing the corporate aspect of the church because that is a failure. They're busy emphasizing the more familial aspect of the church because that's what's foundational. And in doing so, his family began to expand. And that was crucial. And hey, what did he need to do? This particular priest, this father, Michael White, Bob, they, he needed to say, he needed to look in the mirror and say, you want to know what? I've been doing this for a few years and it hasn't worked. I need to start changing it up. <laughs> you know, if something's not working, start changing it up. No, and you know, it's interesting when you think about the beauty of the Catholic Church, the universal church, <clears throat> is that uh, we're proud of the fact that you can go anywhere in the world and you're going to get the same celebration of the Eucharist. You know, the, the emphasis being that the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ but I think with that confidence and with that comfort to some degree that we go to Mass for, we've also fallen in, and we've seen it in all of our parishes, a routine. We follow you know, the same regular routine that we've always done. And it's obvious that Father White and his parish just stepped back a little bit and just said, look, what, what can we do? 
We're not changing the celebration of the Mass. They're not changing celebration of the Eucharist. But what they're doing is, I love that word the, that you used, that making it more invitational. So that if somebody's coming back to Mass and they haven't been to Mass for, for years, or if they're new to uh, the Catholic faith and they're just interested and um, intrigued, you know, they're going to be welcomed. And, you know, we could all do a little bit to think, a little, you know, somewhat out of the box. And how can we be more friendly? I mean, even if it's just maybe hanging around a little bit on the front steps of the church rather than racing for the parking lot to be the first yes. one out. Yes. You know? I mean, little things like that. And it sounds like that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, there needs to be a deeper sense of interpersonal communion, a deeper sense, Bob, of what it means to be a brother and sister in Christ. You know, and, and we can only do that by, by certainly first getting to know how Jesus calls us to do so, but out from that, getting to know our brother and sister in Christ. We should know more names than we know. And I'm raising my hand right now. Mea culpa. Me too. You know, when I was going, uh, when I was preparing for tonight and I was going back through these books, you know, I was challenging myself in some of this. And certainly, yeah, I mean, we've involved ourselves in parish life, but there's always uh, something more we can do. You know, and, and we don't want to overdo it lest we stop doing anything well, <laughs> but we do have to ask ourselves the question, you know, what more can I do if, in fact, God, you are asking me to do something more? But there are too many people on the sidelines, and they're not, they're not in the game, Bob, mm-hmm. and we, we, we need to get back in the game. This is what Pope Francis is talking about. Get out from your complacent attitude. Get off your couches. You need to start smelling the sheep, because Everything that we're talking about right now, and this is what he gets into in, in, in these paragraphs, is it is ordered towards other. Once we've renewed our parish, once we have strengthened the identity of our parish and how we worship and in all of our ministries and committees working together on one united front, then we are strengthened to go out there, Bob, and make a difference. Then we are strengthened to go into those convalescent homes, to go into those uh, homeless shelters, to go into the streets and start evangelizing. This is the summons that Pope Francis is giving us. And of course, his predecessors, it's, it's time. It is time. And we have to be able to say, all right, Lord, what do you want from me? You have to ask that question. Because if we don't, then we'll never get off, you know, get up off the couch. I'm preaching to myself right now, you know, to, to, to do more, to be more active. And we all have to do that. We all have to challenge ourselves and remind ourselves on a regular basis that we are the church. You know, the laity really is the, the, the Holy Spirit at work with throughout the church, throughout the world. I mean, it's too easy to blame, you know, the, um, our, 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 our priest or... You know, we can have issues with the way the bishop does things, or the, the church as a whole. It's really easy to sit back and just and expect, you know, the, the, the hierarchy of the church to do something about making it more inviting. It really starts with us. It, it, we have to become invitational, as we said earlier. As we, we, we just need to be more, you know, um, you know attractive yeah, to people absolutely. Who, who see us, not only at Mass, but as you said, out in the world. And it's great because it, we, we finish every Mass with go out and uh, spread the good news. Yep. You know? Yep. I mean, that is the essence of the Mass. Your Mass, missio in the land, to, to be sent forth. We enter into this worship 
that we might go deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ, Bob. So then again, we have the strength and the gift of the Holy Spirit to go out there. This is God's work. We're just giving glory to God. But if we are not cooperating in God's grace, then what are we doing? Why do we go to Mass? You know, it's interesting, those books, they were asking these questions. They did a little little research, and the question was asked, you know, why do you go to Mass? Why are you here? You know, well, one says, uh, well, these are the most common answers. I come for the music. My my parents make me come. (laughs) I I come for fellowship. (laughs) I... Classic. I I come for the donuts and coffee. (laughs) Where's our priority? You know, this is... This is where people are at. And so, uh, with the, that... The Church of Krispy Kreme, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we need to get out of this, Bob, this, yeah. this mindset, and, and just reprioritize. And this is really what these paragraphs are about. And it's interesting, you talk about uh, the bishop, the pope. Well, the pope really challenged all bishops, take the lead, you are the shepherds. <laughs> know the smell of your sheep get into the churches. He said he wants every bishop to spend more time in these particular churches, in these local parishes. They need to know your name, right? We should all know who Bishop Soto is, right? And our new auxiliary bishop coda. I mean, these are, these are the words from, from Pope Francis. And Pope Francis challenges himself. You know, he says here, uh, since I am called to put into practice what I ask of others, I must too think about this deeper sense of pastoral conversion. You know, and then interestingly here, he quotes uh, John Paul II. He says, uh, as John Paul II said, a way of exercising the primacy which, while no way renouncing what is essential to its mission, is nonetheless open to a new situation. So our Holy Father is challenging himself. And what's important there is that he quotes John Paul II. Bob, because I think some people out there are waiting for Pope Francis to change all of these teachings. And he's saying, well, th- no, this isn't what's going to happen. But it's the way in which the message is handed on. This is what lies at the heart of it. Not so much the what, but the how. He brings up another point in here, Bob, that I, I wanted to touch upon. And that is the importance of uh, the church, the physical structure as it relates to the city. In most cases, when Catholic churches were built in our local cities, they were in the middle. Why were these great structures built in the middle of the city? Well, because it, uh, it sends a message, Bob. If you were to uh, go to Washington, D.C., what do you think of? The Capitol, that dome-like structure, uh, the Washington uh, Monument, maybe? These are structures, the White House, that communicates something. And for us as Catholics, what is physical communicates what is spiritual. It's sacramental, small s. We need to be mindful of this. And why do I talk about this? Is because the structure itself is important. Why? Because when you look at the structure of a church building, most churches, not all, but most churches were built, Bob, to look like a boat for a reason. The idea in the early church is that the church built as a boat is to remind us that it is on a pilgrimage. It is moving towards something. And on that pilgrimage, 
it will sway to the, the rough seas of the world, but nonetheless, it will continue to move towards its, its end goal. And of course, as we talk about the church, the church of Jesus Christ, if you, wherever you may be listening, if you go to your church, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Look up. Notice how the church, to some extent, is built like a quasi-ark. <laughs> There's a reason behind it. And we have to be able to grab hold of that rich imagery, um, Bob, and say, okay, what is our role on this boat? We all have a role to play. God has endowed each and every one of us with some sort of gift, some sort of talent. And so, part of our question is, what can I do about this? Is to say, well, what has God given to me that, that I can contribute to this boat getting to its end goal and getting more people onto the boat. <laughs> there are people in the world who are drowning and we need to, to do our bit to, to help them and be mindful that we don't fall off the boat ourselves. You know, we can get so busy helping others and, and busy utilizing our gifts and talents and all the rest, we forget to make sure that we, we've stabilized ourselves on this boat. And, and I think Pope Francis is, as you mentioned, he's taken the lead in this, you know, with, with you know, his, the way he puts the conversion of the papacy. And he's challenging each and every one of us. You know, I think that's the bottom line here, to take responsibility. As Christians, as Catholics, we have a responsibility, not only to ourselves, but those around us. Yes. And that's what it's really, really calling us yes. to do. Yes. Amen, Bob, to those around us. So let us, let us gird ourselves with, with prayer and with the sacramental life, the church, and say, okay, it's time. It's time. And with that, it's time. Bob, let's close in prayer. <laughs> the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholljmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.